Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are a twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. My name is Mike Frizzell, also known as Jail Dude, and on Mondays we give you a recap of the previous week's TBTLs, but this is our Friday show where we have on a guest to talk about their experiences with the show and also play and discuss their favorite segment or segments in TBTL history, and I obviously can't do it all by myself since I don't know how to edit these things. So sitting in the Carter Subaru Studios in Everett, Washington, is the most perfect 10 I know, the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello. Are you saying I'm only invited because we edit the show? Well, you don't edit. <laughs> you don't edit. You you were going to learn, and you've been on me to learn. But, yes. But you need to lead by example there. Okay. Let's just say that. So. What if Meredith learns before us? Uh, we'll be terrible people. could probably master it in 20 minutes, I, know. I bet. She's smarter than all of us. So. Well, Anne Lundholm, the archivist, yep. Googled it and figured it out more than we can do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more into Tom Sawyering people into doing my my work <laughs> rather than learning how to do things myself. I'm a little old to be learning new things. Oh, okay. I think you know that. You've maxed it so, out. So as promised, uh, we are having friend of the show, Phyllis Fletcher, back for a monthly selection of Phyllis's faves. Hello, Ms. Fletcher. Hey guys, I'm excited to be here. We appreciate you joining us from probably a moderately priced hotel room in Spokane, Washington tonight. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The Lilac City. I just looked that up. The Lilac City. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. fancy for Spokane. I've been to Spokane. There. Mm. <laughs> the Lilac Festival is amazing. Is oh, it? Right. it? The whole town smells like lilacs. It's it's pretty great. Oh. And then they have oh. the Bloomsday race. Yes. What? Uh, why are you in Spokane tonight? Why did you fly to Spokane this afternoon? I'm visiting one of the member stations that subscribes to our news service, our public radio news service, and I am going to visit our Coeur d'Alene Bureau oh. that used to be occupied by 10 Jessica Robinson. What? Where's Jessica now? She won a lot of awards for you. <laughs> she sure did. And now she's in Norway. She married a Norwegian and lives in Oslo and goes to grad school. That's interesting. So she's going to grad school uh, in what? I mean, is she does she want to be a, a journalist over there? It's a, it's a media studies program that's taught in English. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually, I, I head her up sometimes on Facebook. And I even noticed this morning that um, the the American poet Saul Williams was going to be performing in, in Oslo. But, uh, and I was going to tell her about it, but I realized, oh, it was 8 p.m. when I saw that. So I didn't get to tell her in time. No. But right. it's fun because every now and then when I see, I'm sure like all of her friends, when I see anything tangentially related to Norway, I like, I send it to her with a little Norwegian flag emoji. <laughs> right, right. I know someone in Norway. Yeah, I know exactly. Someone there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, because we have you here tonight, Phyllis, um, I'm going to introduce a segment that I guess we'll do every time you're here, and that is while we have you, because yeah. you lead a very interesting <laughs> life, and oh, I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> we have to vicariously live through you, you're right? I want to live through you. I mean, you, you do stuff that matters, you know. I I, I go service a buffet and uh, and really do nothing else with my life so buffet. oh delicious <laughs> wait a second what kind of food um it's it's pizza pasta uh desserts uh -huh. stuff like that okay. um yeah. nothing special believe me uh -huh. nothing special and i'm not a buffet fan myself i don't have the metabolism for it. it's totally wasted on me <laughs> 
Now, so, why is that? Is it just too starchy or? Well, no, I mean, I can only eat so much. I mean, I get full, yeah. like I don't get my money's worth at a buffet. I get full I really you. fast. And then I'm mad that I paid a, a lot of money for a buffet, especially if you go to, you know, really nice buffet, like some seafood like buffet and you pay $30, $40. And then I have like three shrimps and I'm done. And then I'm like pissed off the rest of the day. Yeah. Then you're like, what did I do this for? <laughs> yeah. And when I think about it, maybe my buffet days are actually behind me because it's been yeah. a long time since I've really done that. It's a young person's Yeah, game. exactly. Yeah. I was in my 20s in Vegas, I think, last time right. I went to a buffet. Right. But I went nuts, man. I basically was there for lunch and dinner. I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to town. My brother still just stands at the prime rib station and just has him place the slices directly into his mouth. <laughs> Big ass trough <laughs> of slices. So, uh, Phyllis, you, you've brought us a couple of clips tonight and they're very short and we'll get to those. Uh, also, we'll tell people how to get involved um, and we'll do a little housekeeping later. But while we have you. Yes. The Northwest News Network, I know we've talked about it before, but I'm very interested in this because I spent a lot of time in my life listening to public radio and a lot of time listening to uh, KUOW in particular and other public radio stations, no matter where I've lived in the country. And the Northwest News Network is a group of reporters. I take it you're the boss, right? Yes. Um, and what you do is provide content you're like a bureau and you provide content and it you have member stations and they have the option to carry or not carry whatever stories you come up with so it's your job to like try to try to service their needs yeah exactly yeah it's um it's it's interesting because in you know northwest news network is catchy but it's we're not so much a network of stations as we are a service and you described it exactly right we have bureaus in olympia salem Coeur d'Alene and the Tri-Cities. And they're all awesome reporters. And basically this dozen or so radio stations that kick into our service, they they collaborate to fund us so that they mm -hmm. can have really high quality reporters in these in these areas where they have broadcast reach but no staff. Right. That's and what that's the whole model that it's based on. The reason this really interests me is because when I got out of college, I worked in a news bureau for WFAA out of Dallas, the ABC affiliate in Dallas. I worked in DC for them, um, but because WFAA was smart, I mean, it was a BLO company, mm -hmm. because they were smart, they recruited some other stations uh, to help pay for the bureau. And we would, you know, like Norfolk and, and other cities. So while we weren't, co weren't covering um, Texas stories, we would cover stories that would make these other stations bite so they would help pay uh, yes. along the way. So it, it was kind of a, a version of, of what you're doing. And, and it's it's so interesting because your job is so different every day. I mean, you're yeah. covering a lot of issues like like tonight you're doing you're doing these you're doing these visits. Right. But you're also you're expecting you have to get out of here at a certain time because you have someone at a campaign rally somewhere. Um, he's covering the uh, Republican primary in Idaho. He's in Boise tonight, um, mm -hmm. and he's standing by to um, watch the tabulation of results and then file a story for the morning. Um, so he's he's great. He's our longest time staffer. Austin Jenkins. Um, no, Austin's in Olympia. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Tom that's is right. our that's roving right. guy. Austin has and, always been in Olympia, from what I recall, yep. right? 
Yep, yep. Ever since we got him, he's been an Olympia guy. And he's awesome okay. because he's somebody who came from television. So he can do all that stuff where he goes on TV and he's either the guest or he's hosting something. You know, mm-hmm. he, he uh, has that kind of TV look he can do also. So it's really impressive. Everybody has just amazing, amazing, amazing skills. And then I think um, we might have talked a little bit about my Tri-City reporter, Anna King, who specializes in agriculture and rural issues and covered the um, occupation of the wildlife refuge in Oregon. And then I have my state house guy in Oregon in Salem, Chris Lehman, who um, mm-hmm. also is really good at going live. And they're just, they're awesome. And what I love about working with them is they are, they are really uh, the kings of all that they survey <laughs> in terms of like, they are, they're followed by major news outlets on Twitter and mm-hmm. stuff because they are often the only reporter right. covering something until, you know, NBC and CNN and everybody drops into the scene to to try to catch up on what's going on. And um, in those situations, they'll go live on national shows sometimes, like All Things Considered or to the point, you know, Warren Olney, whom Andrew always used to talk about. That's a beautiful thing about those rural stories. If you drop a competent reporter right in the middle of a story that is in nowhere, yeah. um, that reporter's on TV like CNN in a second. Yeah. I mean, they because, oh, well, do we have anybody out there who can report this? Oh, there's somebody. Let's get them <laughs> yeah. on. So, Well, that's what was so incredible about watching what Jessica was able to do because she was an expert on Bo Bergdahl mm-hmm. for years and was on many, many outlets doing that work. And then when that crazy Rachel Dolezal stuff happened, I mean, I, I, I remember talking to Luke and Andrew at the time about it. And Luke um, made a, a great joke that ended up in my Seattle Times piece about it um, that I appeared to be um, almost scientifically engineered to cover that story, sure. which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it was great Created to have Jessica there on the ground because we were able to tag team it, you know, because she was mm-hmm. right there in Spokane and able to drive around and knew the history of the area. So was able to explain why Rachel Dolezal mm-hmm. had been an important figure in that area. And then whatever she wasn't able to pick up, I could pick up um, as far as going on. Like, like she went on the BBC, I went on the CBC. Um, she did NPR and I did Sky News. Like we just split it up that way with her taking the more high profile stuff. That's amazing. I mean, and it's good when you can, when it can be a story that's, that's like that and not like a mass shooting or something, you know, it's, it's good when it's just an interesting story, you know? Yeah. And I have had to send people to cover those and that's tough. And what I try to do in those situations is just make sure I'm checking in with the person as often as possible and then peeling them out when they need to come out, you know? And I have such, it's interesting because kind of in a lot of ways, like my relationships with you guys or with Luke and Andrew, like almost my entire relationship with these guys is on the phone. Like mm-hmm. in the time that I've had the job, we've only gotten together twice as a group. I've seen them individually a couple times more than that, but it's like, um, it's, I mean, I just, I respect them so much and, and you really, it's funny how much of a rapport you can build up with someone just over the phone, just by talking to them every single day. I just think they're great. Well, the other thing, speaking of like, you know, not seeing each other in person very often or not knowing each other very well in person, but being very close online. I mean, you and me and Christy, we've, I mean, we've all met, we've all talked, but you know, we're way closer in our online community than we have ever been in real life. And I think this is happening for a lot of people. And one night, uh, I think it was about a month ago now, maybe (laughs) a little bit longer, 
but you, I think you brought us the ranchers. They were live streaming uh, after their negotiation to surrender to the feds uh, yes. at, the, at the Oregon. Um, what was that building? Um, the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. Right, right. So they had they had just negotiated their surrender in the morning, and they were live streaming a, a telephone conversation or just a streaming conversation with um, one of the evangelists of the movement. Am I getting this right? Yeah, and it was someone I wasn't familiar with at all, but people who had been closely covering these guys for years knew exactly who this guy was, and he was doing just this awesome um, you know, live stream kind of, I mean, it sounded like a late night talk radio show where people were it really did. Yeah. They were just, they were on the phone with each other and they were, um, you know, speaking passionately and truthfully. And they knew that their, their audience was their supporters, but also their detractors yeah. and, and right. the media, you know, so they were able to control their message and get the message out there that they wanted. And it was, I mean, just hours of some of the best, you know, what we think of as radio that, that you could listen to. That was amazing. And yeah, I, I feel like, like this is the future of, uh, crime and this is the future of, of like surrender. Like imagine with all the technology we have now, Al Cowlings, you know, just opening up oh, a Facebook gosh. page or, starting a Twitter account while he's driving OJ around. This is kind of what it was. Cause like, you know, the FBI had to be pissed off that they, <laughs> they had, they had negotiated this and they're like, okay, well, this is how we're going to keep the media out of it. We've negotiated it, but they somehow neglected to tell these people to shut the hell up about it. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, that was fascinating. And that was an angle I hadn't thought of until you brought it up. So yeah, when you, when you say, that I brought that to you guys. It's like Jeremy, I knew that Jeremy had an interest in these yeah. ranchers. And so mm -hmm. when I realized that this was going on, I was like, Oh, I got to tell somebody about this. Oh, I know, you know, I mean, all my reporters already knew about it and, and OPB was covering it and, you know, NPR mm -hmm. was too. And they were all set there, but I was like, who do I know who maybe doesn't know about this? Who would be fascinated. And I thought of you guys mm -hmm. and sent it to you in a little Facebook chat. And like, and when you said that, like, Oh man, the FBI has got to be really angry that they appear to, have, you know, um, not sealed the deal on these guys not talking about it. I was like, oh, that never occurred to me. Well, so I appreciate your mind there and thinking of that. The angle that I was thinking of was, of course, the FBI, if anything, if anything had gone amiss, awry, yeah. and there was gunplay and, you know, whatever, yeah. um, they they would want as few cameras on it as possible. But by spilling the beans on this um, negotiation, uh yeah, I, I felt like the FBI would have been justified in saying, screw it. Done. Right. Right. But then they, they were kind of, um, you know, they had the FBI's butts over a barrel when it comes to yeah. that, because it's like, yep. does the FBI want their um, shooting of their targets live webcast? Because yeah. that seemed to be basically what the people were calling for during that was like, come on in here and get us. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, that was, I was really glad that, that that didn't happen because mm -hmm. that was scary, you know, just not knowing what was going to happen. But when you say it's the future of surrender, and I'm sure you'll agree, yes, uh, you know, the future of crime and surrender, if you happen to be a target that law enforcement is um, not, you know, like, 
like they they are um, not eager to have the scrutiny of yeah. of shooting, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean that's that was definitely true in the OJ case. Like that's why it was such a standoff, you know, because the cameras were there, and yep. you know, in the futuristic version, like they would have been live streaming it themselves or whatever. But if it's someone that that they don't care about, I mean, I guess you have to wonder if it's an isolated person, you know, all of a sudden like periscoping their own, you know, um, uh, being, you know, like told to stop and freeze and stuff like that. You know, if the person said, I got this going on Periscope, like, would they care? Would they not? I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, maybe not. I I think it's a, a, I think it's something that should probably, probably be studied in communications classes, journalism classes, as well as law enforcement classes, because there has to be, they have to get this down because this is going to, It's only going to get bigger. Well, and I'm sure, you know, law enforcement would say like it, we can't, we can't worry in certain circumstances about whether someone's on Periscope or not, but you do have to wonder, does it, does it actually interfere? Does it change the game? Maybe yeah. in some circumstances it would. Yeah, I think uh, so in, that's, a, in a negotiation, um, <clears throat> I think they're, if they didn't uh, tell those people to shut up, they, they will in all future cases. They'll say, yeah, this deal, so. this deal is off. If you talk at all, if you, if we see any of this online, this deal is off and you don't, won't get the deal we've cut. Yeah. Everyone's got to be Monday morning quarterbacking that. We mm. we also know that the FBI doesn't really understand technology much. Mm. Oh, oh no. Really? They might not have even known that was happening. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy's five-year-old can figure out how to open a cell phone more than a uh, the FBI can. Mm. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's interesting because I wonder how long it took for them to go. They're doing what? Yeah, what's happening? I mean, right. that's and then it's already that's... over. Yo, I mean, yeah, they never find surprises. Mike. It never surprises me when there's incompetence in the FBI. Yeah, they was... didn't find you. Oh, they couldn't find me. <laughs> I mean, come on. And how mad were they when when you turned yourself in? Oh. The, they, I don't know about the FBI in general, but the agent that was pursuing me was not happy. Not happy oh, that I dear. turned myself in. Can you believe that? Yeah, that you were going to be his Moby Dick that he was going to retire on and I tell guess, stories about. I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's really all I had. Uh, Chrissy, did, did you have any other questions for her before we move on to these clips? No. So um, are you going to follow the primaries to all of the states like all of your the northwest yes and i always have to kind of mentally reset and go okay which states decide how and it's interesting too because you know two of them always go you know since the reagan era have always gone blue and one of them has always gone red and Mm -hmm. so you kind of tend to um you know have just a little bit more awareness of how each party decides there like for example idaho um, their Democrats decide in a completely different way, and that's not happening yet. Um, but there has been some attention paid to, are there people who aren't actually Republican who have registered? Mm-hmm. Because then we also have these different systems where in some states, it's it's you get a primary ballot that's divided up, but it's not, you don't have to be registered with a party. And then the other states, you do have to be registered with a party. So Idaho, for example, you have to be registered with a party to vote in, but just that, that day primary. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how term. far in advance you have to do it, but um, they, you can do it pretty close up to the date. And so there was, people were wondering, 
are there Democrats that are so um, so so vehemently not wanting Trump that they're mm-hmm. registering as Republicans to vote against mm-hmm. Trump in Idaho? And maybe that'll be something that'll be kind of, um, you know, you could kind of figure that out maybe by comparing precinct to precinct mm-hmm. um, would that after be, the fact. Phyllis, would that be because they just figure Hillary is a foregone conclusion, so they're going to vote where they think it matters? I I guess. Or they don't well, care also, between the two. Yeah, that's that's interesting because, oh, you right, know, I, right. what I, I would you. think would be um, probably not cool is if, they did one, switched it, and then also participated in the other. Like mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't be, you know, so no. so fair. But I don't know that anyone's actually well, doing that. Also, but, the Democratic vote in Idaho doesn't really matter. In their in their delegations it, to the conventions, it does. Oh, it does. But okay. in the electoral college system, it doesn't. I mean, you know. I don't want to be a Luke and say that yeah. people's votes don't count or don't matter or anything. But in a state as red as Idaho, when it comes down to the electoral college, the Republicans are and who they vote for are are way more important. Um, I mean, you know, in in the end, it's going to be you know overwhelmingly um, in, for the electoral college that's right. going to go Republican. Well, but as far as for the delegation, convention. since those conventions are separate, yeah. it does matter. Yeah, and with um, Idaho, it's or Boise specifically, it's similar to an Austin where it's kind of a purple city because mm-hmm. of the college. Yeah, it's a blue inside of a, a very red state, so yeah. that's interesting in itself. I remember yeah. because I was in um, political science classes during the the Bush, um, the Bush Kerry election, and oh. um. A lot of people were registering to vote to get McCain as the the nominee. Oh, so people were crossing over and signing up as Republican to have Bush not be the mm-hmm. nominee at that time. In 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 a bunch of different states, people were doing that. Um, I know in Washington it was a big push. Oh, okay, yeah. So in Washington, they would just be able to do that on their ballot because uh, there's no party. There's no requirement to join a party. Right. You just say to... it that day, kind of. Or you There's right. no requirement like... in Washington even to be a non-felon because I used to vote when I was in Washington. In fact, oh, word. If I moved back, I could vote. I voted for Obama in the first election illegally. <laughs> Mike, you're not supposed Is the statute of limitations up for that? I guess he's uh, almost I done. I don't think you can get arrested for voting. I would love to be the first person to get arrested. For <laughs> oh, there's been people that have gotten arrested trying to vote. Not white people. Don't forget your s- southern history. <laughs> <laughs> Not white people. You know what? The, the, here's a fun one. So in that election, um, I was covering, um, I was covering caucuses, and so that is a it's a kind of honor system thing where you you go into whichever one you want to participate in, and um, at one. that point, I think Christy has too, right? To a caucus, caucus. Yes. Yeah. I caucus for Obama. I won my okay. neighborhood and went up to the city, but didn't win for the state. Aha. Okay. Um, so let's see. This was uh, 2008, and I was I was covering the caucuses um, in Covington, Washington, which is an exurban area near Kent. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Kent has come up on on the LRB yeah. before. Oh, Will lives in Covington. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Yeah. So Will, Will uh, 
pilot will will the pilot <laughs> yes will the pilot he's, uh, he's kent adjacent there in covington lovely covington yeah lovely covington it was maybe like 30 years ago it was still pretty rural and now it's very very yeah. suburban and um i contacted the republican party and said you know i'm i'm covering caucuses where should i go which is going to be a lively one and they told me oh go to the high school in covington um it'll be it'll Can't be uh, pretty active and so um and so i went i went down there and um they were this was back when now it's different but at that time the republicans and democrats caucused on the same day and so they had the democrats in the gym and the Republicans in the lunchroom. And I had been to that school before because I had covered it um, as an education reporter. So I went straight in the lunchroom and the gal who was greeting people and sending people places said, oh, honey, y'all are in the (laughs) gym. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It was so sweet. And I was like, let me back up. I'm a reporter. And they were like, oh, Okay, welcome. Come on in. It was so sweet. Oh, it was very funny. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm deeply uncomfortable right now. Um, when we did it, so we did it in separate schools. You, um, uh-huh. they separated us probably for good reason. And um, they, so I was so confused because when you look up Washington Republican caucusing, they were supposed to do it a few weeks ago. Right. But they no are one not really doing turned it now. out. Yeah, what? they're 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 relying on the primary now in Washington State. They decided the Republican Party in Washington State decided that's how they wanted to do it. So they got primary, to do that after just because there was a poor turnout at the caucus, then on the no, fly no, they get they to decide. They had decided that already. Okay. Um oh, and okay. I think that just word hadn't gotten out very much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so yeah, so no, they're they're doing the, the primary um in May. And so that's one of those things where you just get a ballot and you just fill out the section that's mm-hmm. applicable to you since there's no party registration to participate. May seems like so, so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long, I mean, a lot of things will be decided by then. So it's pretty interesting um, that it's, that it's waiting that long. Well, Christy, um, until well, next we, time, we've managed oh. to talk more politics <laughs> than TBTL has. Welcome to Northwest political talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But we're here for Phyllis's faves, and she has chosen a couple of clips from uh, March episodes because we're in yes. March, and both of them are from the same week or roughly the same time in March of 2010. Uh, the first one is Ratmaster Maurice. Oh, oh, and I should say, let's stop the show. Stop the oh, show. Sure. <laughs> um, you just finished all of the podcasts of tbtl you haven't gone back and completed the radio days but you have now listened to every podcast uh tbtl episode congratulations thank you thank you i'm so excited can can we get a like jeremy yes i'd like to thank everyone involved in this and there's not much many radio shows I know. So you, I know you're going to sail through it. Next yeah. time we I'm talk gonna, to you, you're going to be done. It's it's crazy. I'm I'm so excited. I mean, one of the things that helped me helped propel me past this milestone was I was on vacation for a couple weeks, and um and also Howard Stern was on vacation for a couple weeks, so I, I was able to just go. I'm you sync that up. I mean, how does that work? Exactly. What's that now? You and Howard <laughs> sync that up. 
it was a coincidence. I can I can honestly say that I was like I was kind of psyched when I realized that coincidence because whereas in the past I would have been so bummed. Now I was like, oh, I get to listen to more TVTL. So I just powered, powered, powered through it. And then I was so psyched when I was like, wow, I, I actually did it. I've listened to every single podcast episode. Well, that's a great accomplishment. And Thank I you. wish you luck on the radio days. Thank you. You're bringing us a clip tonight. Um, you're bringing us two clips. The first one is a Rapmaster Maurice clip. And I'm sure most tens know who Rapmaster Maurice is. And uh, <laughs> But Phyllis, why don't you uh, explain Rapmaster Maurice? And, and actually, Christy, you've, I think you've met him and you, you have some of his art. So yeah. th- you all take it from here. Yeah, I want to hear what Christy has to say about meeting him. It was, so I met him at the, he came to, he talks a little bit about it in this he came to Bumbershoot and oh, okay. took questions from the audience and yes. then went in the back and wrote the revenge raps right there. Okay, so that's when you met. Him. Yeah. And <laughs> so he he so if you go to his website, it's just DerekErdman.com. Yes. He he wears this ridiculous outfit when he when he's Rapmaster Maurice. Yeah. It kind of looks like a dress or a coat. <laughs> um it looks like it kind of looks like one of those things, you know, when you see like uh, uh, Indian immigrants walking down the street with their oh, wives, yeah. and, and okay. they've got their uh, their hands folded behind their back, and they're just yes. walking contemplatively. It's like an outfit like that. Oh, so yes. I just pulled it up, and he has a notice in all caps: "Rapmaster Maurice does not wear a dress. It's a one-piece <laughs> revenge kilt." It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Sure. Sure it is. So he still does these um seventeen dollars wow. for revenge. Oh, it's seventeen now because it was seven originally, then it went to fourteen, and now we're at seventeen. Yeah, and he said, "Do it now because it's going to go to twenty-two. Oh, <gasps> get in now! You got to get in now. And then if you want a friendly one, it costs twenty-four dollars. Okay, yeah. I was just gonna suck. ask, does he still have the surcharge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he. I mean, That's if you no go fun to, at all. If, no. So he does this thing. It used to be called. Let me see what it was uh, called. Painting. So he would do something called um ten dollar portraits no twenty dollar portraits okay it used to be fifteen dollar and uh-huh. now he does it for 20. but those are derek erdman portraits not rap master maurice portraits. right right okay he he has lots of balls in the air this derek erdman um he does. So- he does. it's a lot of uh, very reasonably priced balls in the air <laughs> so <laughs> for a um wedding present i had a friend who who thought that he was hilarious so for a wedding present i took a picture of her and um her then husband i guess after the wedding and had him make them their picture and then framed it framed it for him and she thought it was great but i mean he does things like you can get advice you can call up and get advice a free psychic hotline right he's also a notary Oh wow! Free? Of course he's of course he's a notary. What what low price service isn't this guy going to yeah. provide? <laughs> That's so great. Free. Well, you know when you Kim need a notary, Channing. you really need one. Oh, Does that? it count your change for you like they do at the bank? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd like to call the um, advice line sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I I would totally want to hear it his advice because people who are good at giving advice, I think a, they know their advice is not going to be um, welcome or accepted or acted on. Right. <laughs> and B, 
they they basically they they have a way of acknowledging that in their advice so that you're kind of let off the hook mm-hmm. um but they give you something to think about and yeah, so like Spratt gave the dowager countess something to think about when he talked about the <laughs> the outfits that yeah, she the might outfits be wearing in the summer <laughs> Um, I was, I want to call and ask if I should get mushrooms on my pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said I didn't care. How many mushrooms am I entitled to on my pizza? <laughs> so, so this clip is, uh, Rap Master Maurice says he had written a rap. I don't know if it was authorized or unauthorized. He had written oh, a rap. A 10 wrote in. Oh, Right. <laughs> Right. Ten paid for a ten it. wrote in, paid for this rap, and and uh, Rep Master Maurice delivered it to what's the name of the old boss at Cairo Rod that Arquette. let him go? Yep. Rod Arquette. Yep. So super nice guy, and you can even yes. tell through the phone call he's a super nice guy. Anyway, I'm not going to say any more about it until afterwards. So here's the clip. Derek Erdman, a lot of our listeners know you as the very famous Rap Master Maurice, or let's just say the manager. Of Ratmaster Maurice, well, yeah, whatever you want. To the call friend it. of you're the you're the conduit through which we're able to access <laughs> that we were before he passed away uh, able to access Ratmaster Maurice. He just came back unexplained. There was no explanation for his revival. But someone has a lot of nerve. That happens all the time, though, in hip hop. That's actually that's very common. <laughs> you're right. If I remember, wasn't he? He was driving a Volvo near Cabrini Greens, and he was that gunned was true. down. Yeah, that was the story. I guess maybe what's coming out now are his stuff from the archives. I see. Right, and a lot of it was very prescient. <laughs> what a coincidence! <laughs> Surprisingly specific, <laughs> like the music of Tupac. Yeah. Somewhere, Tupac is in Puerto Rico <laughs> writing songs. Well, when uh, and for for folks who are newer to TBTL or maybe haven't heard of Rapmaster Maurice, uh, he's a guy who does revenge raps. And so, if you have beef with somebody, um, you could hire Rapmaster Maurice to write a, a a customized revenge rap that he would then. Uh, drop on the the person who you had beef with, and uh, a lot of our listeners utilized Rapmaster Maurice for all manner of uh, <laughs> petty <laughs> petty problems. You were the first champion of Rapmaster Maurice. I tell that to people. Oh, really? And he was nobody before you came along. I'm 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 so proud of that. Um, uh, I have to say. Um, and our listeners, it was one of like if you were asked someone like maybe the four things about TBTL that they have. That they sort of remember. Ratmaster Maurice is always on that really? list. Like it's a major, it's like a pillar in our little, <laughs> That's great. in our little thing. But but so when uh, when we got shit canned from the radio, you you just told me this when I showed up. Um, th- somebody actually hired Ratmaster Maurice to uh, uh, to um, uh, actually have a revenge rap put down on our old boss Rod Arquette at Cairo. I didn't know if it would be a good idea. I thought maybe it would, maybe we're still. Uh, sort of in communication with them and maybe having a revenge rap wouldn't be the best thing to do to such a person. Because was he important, this guy? Uh, Rod Arquette, he was the program director. So he was our direct boss. So he was important in, in, in that way. But the other thing about him, and by the way, he just resigned. Uh, I don't know if he jumped or was pushed, but he just stopped working there at the place. So now it really doesn't matter. But even at the time, he's a super nice guy who is... Um, not someone who's super well versed in the world of hip hop or revenge raps. So probably when he got the call, he just thought someone's smoking some doobie. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't be like, "Oh, Luke, put this person up to this, and now I'm mad at Luke." Like those are not connections he would ever draw. It seemed to me, if I remember, because I haven't listened to it for a while, but it kind of, it went over his head. I don't think he. 
I mean, he answered the phone, which is something. I didn't think he would answer the phone. Let me guess. I, I, I'm going to do an impression of him answering the phone. I haven't heard this tape, oh. but it, I, when we hear the real tape, everyone's going to laugh, hopefully. Rod Arquette. <laughs> it is like that. Do you want me to play it? Yeah, hold on. Let me set up the thing here. Where's the speaker? Where's Over it going to come out of? Okay. So this is uh, this is Rapmaster Maurice with a revenge rap aimed at uh, Rod Arquette, the guy who – one of the people who kind of fired us from the radio. Without question, the greatest. Well, of course, it's about me, so I'm probably more. I'm inclined to love it, but that might be the greatest re- revenge rap I've ever heard Thank from Rap Master Race. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. I see. At the end, I I told him thanks for being a good sport because I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to smooth it over, kind of like a. That was so smart. I love that you used the Rap Master Maurice voice with the secretary. I I, yeah, I don't like to be out of character when I'm on the phone. I become a different person when I pick up that phone. That was I know because we had you do some live revenge raps. Remember we had you call a couple of um, payday loan centers. I do. I, do. I was very uncomfortable doing that. You did a great job. I'm sorry if we put you on the spot. Oh, it's okay. I just don't think I like to do it in person. I don't like to see people. I don't like people to watch. <laughs> well, um, I, I, that's amazing, and uh, and I appreciate you doing that. And it did not get us in any trouble whatsoever. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I think Rod Arquette deserves a medal, <laughs> not only for putting TVTL on the air in the first place. But yeah. then taking if, if it he's off. the one that did it, I'm not sure if he was the one who did mm-hmm. it, but allowing it to exist at all on the radio and not immediately pulling it off the radio because it's just it just wasn't what was conventionally known as radio in those mm-hmm. times, and I'm sure the I'm sure the ratings proved it. But al- although I will say also that, um, what do you think is going to happen to the ratings when you take TBTL off and then put Frank Shires at the news junkie on? I mean, do you think it's <laughs> gonna this is gonna solve all your problems? You right. know, why can't we give TVTL another another quarter? Well, I like, you know, I like the dozen detail that Rod Arquette also got fired. Yeah, he did. By the time right. this happened. Well, you know, I, there's a couple things about that uh, that are are interesting, I think, is program directors go into a job assuming they're going to be fired, especially in commercial radio, just because things change so much. So he is probably, you know, semi-okay with that. And... You know, they know they're going to have to fire people. And he probably didn't really need the ratings to go up. He needed the expenses to go down. Right. Because the listenership at night is so low anyway that, you know. Frank Shires is coming off the pimp convention, so he was available for $5. (laughs) 
But, you know, if you cut your expenses down from, yeah. you know, th three people to one and, yeah. you know, they probably have different contracts and different arrangements, you know, it was probably just a looking at the numbers thing and going, wow, you yeah. know, yeah. why am I paying for these three people when I could be paying, you know, I could take this person, put them in this other day part and right. take these other two people. And, We're going to get the say, same you know, 4,000 listeners from seven to 10, uh, no right. matter whether we put a monkey you know, right. or Frank Shires or TVTL. It doesn't matter. Or, so. or pipe in Art Bell, you know, right. start doesn't playing matter. a couple hours early. It just, you're right. It just depends on what is this costing me? And, right. and Luke was costing them. Yeah. And Jen I'm, was costing I'm sure he was. Them. And I'm sure Jen was. Yeah. So you guys, so both of you have now heard every time Rapmaster Maurice has been on, what is your favorite revenge rap that he's done? Oh, <laughs> Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's this one just because the response was so like, um, so, you know, so like, hey, that's okay. You know, yeah. or <laughs> right. he said, well, that's what you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So great. yeah. And that it's someone we kind of know about, like that makes it more interesting yeah, when true. it's someone we kind of know about. So I, I think mine might have to be this one. Mine, mine was, was when he called dicks. Yeah. Oh. That's the one. <laughs> Because yeah. he was visiting from Chicago and he had it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't care for the Mike, fries. Did I and, steal and yours? No, that's oh. it. And he didn't care for the fries. Yeah. And I will say the fries at Dick's are very polarizing. And yeah. um, like my brother loves the fries. I don't love the fries. But at a certain level of intoxication or, or hangover, uh, you those fries are almost an elemental uh, oh, thing. Oh, yeah. You, you must have them yeah. in your gut. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to say, I'm glad. So isn't there a thing where they changed what they're fried in? So that oh. it's... Uh, yeah, because they used to have the, the saturated fat, the killer right. fat or whatever that stuff. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm glad they changed it, but I do think they probably were better before. They were. They and were. now I don't think I would notice a difference, but when they changed them, I was like, oh, wah, wah. Yeah, it was like Coke to new Coke. You just yeah. couldn't help but notice <laughs> Yeah. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> And if it means I don't power munch like two bags of fries, sure, then it's probably sure. good. <laughs> okay. But, so you know. we're getting into the fries. Let me say something about the fries. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, the way the Dick's fries uh, sit in the bag and the way the way they're served, yeah. um, they lend themselves towards a just a, a big grab because you can – really squeeze it down and get that oil going and just shove it right into your, yeah. into your fry hole. <laughs> yes. uh, yes. And that used to be easier when they were using the killer oil. So, you know, oh. it's harder to get those mashed quick bites in the kind of bites that you want to get, because by the time you figure out how many calories you're consuming, that's already done it's too late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you, you can't like have too many regrets about it. Anyway, I'm probably getting too deep on you know, the fries. And you know, with the fries, I, I mean, I wouldn't choose those probably even in my top 10. However, mm -hmm. since I don't eat meat, when I go to Dick's, that's what I use as oh, right. the meat. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, you know, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to, I was in prison at one point. <laughs> oh, really? And, Get out of here. <laughs> uh, on cheeseburger day, uh, I would trade my patty for uh, someone else's cheese, like their, their, you huh. know, their bun and cheese. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so they could make 
you know, double. they could just eat meat because some guys are like all protein because they're lifting weights or whatever. And then, yeah. and then I would shove fries and make like cheese fry sandwich. I would get two <laughs> yeah. cheese fry sandwiches just for giving up my meat patty. Mike, so. that wow. that is my order at Dick's. So I would do yeah. good in prison. I mean, yeah, basically anyone that goes with me scores because they get two patties. Yep. Because I have to get type. the deluxe so. so I can get that sauce. Yep. I, oh yeah. I. I think if Bobby were here, he would, you know, it's like insert joke about giving up your meat patty here. Yeah. That's why I prefer doing shows with women. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because I never say anything inappropriate. No, no you never do. We can count no. on that. No, yeah. I'm hungry. Oh, of course we are. I'm hungry too. So hungry. No. Uh, Christy, before we move on to the next clip, you... um. You were mentioning something about the ICP experience in this show because, oh. like, uh, the re the whole reason that Maurice was on, I think, was to talk about the documentary he did. Mm -hmm. And he he got inspired because he saw the commercial for the Gathering of the Juggalo, and he said, "Oh yeah, each act that they talked about, he just kept saying, this can't be real." Vanilla Ice, Ice Cube, they're all going to be there. <laughs> and then, but my favorite part was him and his friend decide to go and they buy clothes on the way there so that they can blend in. And his friend bought a hat that said, booyah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he couldn't, he couldn't show up there wearing a dress. No, 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 no. Ratmaster can't go there. No. No. <laughs> but I, I thought that it was really great because he went in thinking, these guys are a bunch of white trash, terrible, like basically gangsters. And he mm. came out without, with not that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm always glad when they talk about that aspect of juggalos because my first encounter with someone who self-identified as a juggalette was in <laughs> Mount Vernon, Washington. Um, which is about halfway between Seattle and Bellingham. The Bay City. Exactly. And and um, I was doing a story on um, public education, or I was doing a series, it was my master's project actually, on, um, on public education and the recession. And I had worked really hard to make sure that I was, you know, not just meeting people who served homeless kids, but kids who had been homeless and, um, you know, it was it was a safe uh, time and something that they were supported to do to tell their stories. And there was a gal who had been homeless um, in Mount Vernon, who now was kind of doing a peer counseling type of thing. And mostly what she talked about was being a juggalette. And you wouldn't know that by the story I produced, because I just completely didn't understand it. <laughs> but it was it was really special to her like you know all her all her little buddies were all juggalos and she was like we're a family you know we look out for each other mm -hmm. and um it's only been reinforced by what i've heard on tbtl yeah i think uh, a large part of the juggalo community is younger borderline homeless people and yeah. if they're helping each other i i don't hate that yeah no, absolutely not. I mean, it's just yeah. like the tens. Yeah. Less makeup. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I really, I really appreciate that. So I was, I'm always, I always enjoy hearing about that. 
You know, Meredith went, I think, wasn't her first date with her husband at a at a ICP um, concert and almost went blind from Fago in the eye. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that episode, yeah. too. That's that's great. <laughs> uh so the the other clip that you brought us um it's about uh it's it's during the same era from 2010 and it is luke and jen talking about their uh expulsions from jesus creek yeah high school which i think was was north seattle christian yes christian Mm -hmm. yeah They've said it a few times, and and I, th- when when they've said it, I thought I thought that sounds like it's still real, but I was thinking of a different school. I think North Seattle Christian went. They went probably under. expelled too many students and couldn't well, pay the bills. I mean, they they at least there was one time when they said that I don't remember the number, but it was pretty high. Like seventy five percent of the girls in and senior girls were pregnant. Oh like, my god! Like Luke yeah. wasn't the only one. No. Sure. sure. That's yeah. what happens yeah. with abstinence education only. It does not <laughs> right. work. That's a rough go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I guess, uh, uh, Phyllis, why did you choose this one? Oh, gosh. It's one of those that, I mean, so so my method, so we're, we're doing this mo- these monthly themes, right, where I go and I find shows from that month that I liked. And so I know how to work the Infinite Guest website so I can see a whole month of shows at a time. And when I saw the description of this, it just popped out at me like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and whenever an episode would do that for me, I would, I would pick it out. And as soon as I started clicking around in it and listening, I was like, yes, I remember these stories. And it was like I knew what they were going to say right before they said it. And I just <laughs> love the way they reminisce about that time because not only is it are they empowered to give an indictment of the system that they were educated under that they no longer agree with but they also can look back on their own behavior and say you know as 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 angry as i was to do that or to say that it was not justified Right. right and i to me those are the best kinds of stories when people can articulate how they've changed and it's right. just hilarious <laughs> right so um the only thing i really have to do to set up this clip is to let people know the the discussion prior to them getting to this point was about um flipping people off yes uh giving the fu <laughs> yes. and uh the just the different ways you can do it and the you know obvious one is the middle finger and mm-hmm. then there's the you know, uh, I guess Italian rooted flipping of the chin. Well, um, don't forget the dazzling detail of why of Jen getting flipped off that way and who did it. Do you remember? It was no. Joey Buttafuoco yes. did that to her on the red carpet at the yes. Oscars. <laughs> oh, I yes. didn't go back that far. <laughs> yes. Oh, because she said yes. they were they were basically punking celebrities as they're walking down the red carpet and she said to him you're gonna burn in hell and he flipped he did the italian flip off so was she doing some sort of internship in la her friend got them um tickets or the usc students got those bleacher seats you know those ones right before the opening right oh right right the outside ones with Mm -hmm. the with the bunting and all that okay um so (laughs) <laughs> They're talking about alternative flip-offs. 
the the Joey Buttafuoco chin thing, mm-hmm. and then Luke, um, he saw in a movie or on some TV show or somewhere someone doing the the full arm, you yes. know, where you mm-hmm. where you cross you cross your mm-hmm. arms and pull one up, and it just looks like a a, a giant uh, fu fist. Yes, <laughs> and uh, that will take us to the discussion you're about to hear. Please play this clip. In uh, eighth grade, I got kicked out of Jesus Creek because I did the one where you do the one f- arm into the elbow of the other oh, arm. Oh, sure, sure. Kind of one. And you don't have to actually raise your finger for that one. No, not at all. You can. I mean, that's overkill probably. But, um, but, but I saw somebody do that or I saw it on a TV show. And I thought, that's the coolest move I've ever seen. And I was like, I can't wait to use that. And I was just looking for a reason. I was also on total probation at Jesus Creek for having been bad, apparently. And they were like, if you get in any more trouble, you're, you're getting kicked out of the school. So I, I like, it's a Sunday. I see someone doing that, what I thought of as cool flip-off move. I go to school. It's like I've been at school for eight minutes, and I'm trying to cut across the gym to go to the bathroom. Maybe I was drinking a lot of club soda uh, in eighth grade. I don't know. <laughs> And uh, Mrs. Howe, uh, uh, Kathy Howe, is like gym teaching, and she says you can't cut across the gym. And I don't think I was even that mad about not cutting across the gym, but I thought this is a perfect chance to use my new move. So (laughs) she was also, by the way, I think uh, they were playing kickball in the gym, and she was the pitcher. So, so she had to deliver like a slow and baby bouncy kickball pitch with her back turned to me, and that was the perfect moment for me to throw up the uh, throw up the old iron cross there, and uh, I left feeling pretty good about myself, and was hauled <laughs> into the principal's office about twenty minutes later and kicked out of Jesus Creek because some kid saw me, some kid named Kenny, who's now trying to be my Facebook friend. Screw you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, under under the chin salute at you, buddy. Indeed, indeed. We, uh, and 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 I got kicked out of Jesus Creek. I mean, on that day, because of my how enamored I was with a new fancy way of saying "f you." You know what we need to come up with, Flash? We need a move that's our own, and that doesn't mean "f you." It just means "hey, jerk." Something yeah, like, bad behavior. Like, dude, come on. It needs. We need a move that means "come on, dude." That's like it's not "f you." "F you" is too much, but we need a "come on, dude." Well, I can tell about when I got expelled from Jesus Creek, um, and that was in seventh grade, and I was, you know how we were always, for some reason, shooting around in the gym? By like, the there way, can was I constantly, just, like, there was always time to, like, shoot baskets. Yeah. Oh, can I just, I want to quickly interject here that getting expelled from Jesus Creek meant you, you were suspended for the remainder of the school year, but because it was hanging on by a financial thread, they would always let you back the next year because they needed the 300 bucks a month or whatever it cost. I had to go to Marcus Whitman Middle School for a full year, but it was because I got, it happened at the very end of the year. Oh, see, mine happened at the end of the year. I had to go to Washington Middle School for a quarter, but then I was allowed back the following year. Oh, I was gone the whole, all of eighth grade. Wow. They let me back ninth grade, though. Wow. I know why we kept going back. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway, I just want to clarify on getting expelled. Okay, yeah. so back to your expulsion. Okay, so I was shooting baskets in between whatever with my friends, and uh, this woman came in, and she was like, you know how they were constantly putting, like, 22-year-olds in charge who, yes. like, I think were single moms and didn't yeah. have another job or something? Yes, indeed. Or had graduated from the school but had never been able to cut the ties and, and, and were doing light custodial work and then also supervising, you know, the educational process. Yes, this lady was, like, light custodial slash lunch lady. Yeah. So she walked over and said, I want you to put those balls away and, and leave the gym. And I was like, no. And who are you? 
And she said, I am an authority figure, and I want you to, you know. So I put the ball away, and as I walked away, I said, under my breath, kind of, cow. Oh. And um, I don't know. I didn't know if she heard me, but my two friends, Amy and Cindy, they heard me loud and clear and thought it was hilarious. So we go to class. And so I had gotten a pretty good response off doing that. So later on, we come to lunch, and she walks by, and I very quietly under my breath went, Ooh. Oh. So uh, I was getting good response for my my wit, my amazing wit. Yeah, definitely. It's a (laughs) go-to. So then after lunch, I'm sitting in Mr. Hans's math class, Mm -hmm. and it was in the old building down below where there was all those windows and an outside walkway. Yep, I remember. And so I, I was sitting in class, and I saw her. And Hal Drake, I think it was Hal Drake. Anyway, it was one of the principals walking down, and she was actually going room by room to find the person because she didn't know my name. Oh, no. So I realized she was coming, and I, you know, what was I going to do? Try to run to the bathroom? Maybe, like, try to get, draw, you know, maybe draw a mustache on yourself really quickly? <laughs> or, really quickly. So I just started packing up my Or st- stand like a statue uh, like you're in the <laughs> Smithsonian, if you know, and then maybe they'll think you're Cleopatra. You didn't do either of those things, though. No, no, I just started packing up my books. I knew oh, what was coming. Man. So they came in, and she said, that's her. So then they were like, come on. So I got up with my book bag, and I went to the principal's office, and um, she started crying. And then I felt really bad, and I apologized, and then I got expelled. But I'm just saying that maybe <laughs> mooing is also a, a – an, it's an alternative you know what? Maybe we could do. Imagine the uh, imagine the the under the chin thing, okay? In, all the way in Asheville, North Carolina, and maybe you can act this out with me and tell me how it feels. Imagine the under the chin thing, right? That motion you're doing with your hand. Mm-hmm. Now take both of your hands and make that same motion, but but put them against your shoulders, like the front, like basically like the the, the sort of front of your body. So like just okay. down from your shoulder, top of your arm, shoulder part, and do that. Come flip on, it out. And, and flip it out. Go, come on, dude. Come on, dude. <laughs> That's kind of good, right? <laughs> yes, it's that, much better than F U for sure. But it gets, but it gets that flipping of the hand up motion, which is what's so satisfying about the Botafuco. Yes. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> and then your hands, and then also your hands are up like to heaven. Like, come on, dude. So it's kind of like putting your hands up, but adding a flourish. Yeah, it's almost like a plea to the heavens. Yeah, really. It's like, come on, dude. Oh, I love it. This is great. <laughs> I'm really potty training a cat, coming up with the new hand gestures. This is, I mean, it's like it's one in the afternoon. Uh, we do more before one in the afternoon than most people do all day. <laughs> so this is the origin of the, come on, dude. Come on, dude. <laughs> I give Luke credit for coming up with "Come on, dude!" about a year or two before ESPN, you know, the the pre pregame football came up with "Come on, man!" Yes. <laughs> hey, did Jen have it coming or not? From Joey Buttafuoco? No, oh, the no, cow, from the teacher. Oh, the she yeah. she called the teacher a cow. Then she mooed. It's I mean, I think mean. she had punishment coming, but expulsion. Yeah. For being a yeah. dick one day, right? Luke yeah. definitely well, deserves it. What, was she black? <laughs> I mean, how do you get suspended that quickly for right. something so innocuous? Right. It seems yeah, that happened at Washington Middle School all the time. But right. Jesus right. Creek, right? Because they were looking that. to get rid of some kid they thought was a pain, exactly. you know. And he <laughs> says one thing, and they're like gone. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it sounds like. I mean, it sounds like. 
it was partly about teaching the parent a lesson too, you know, yeah. Yeah. and just like having a power struggle. And that's the thing. I mean, if you're going to have a power struggle with a middle schooler, you are not going to win. And so you have to figure out a different way to educate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but um, it sounded like they were just trying to bring it, bring the hammer down, you know, mm-hmm. and expulsion was a tool that they knew that the parents would really take seriously. And then hopefully discipline their kids. Right. Yeah. I wish that I had, I mean, I never would go to that school, but I wish I had been around then and could just observe what happens because I'm sure it's one of those where science was uh, debatable that right. they were teaching there. And remember, uh, Jason's mom was a teacher there. Yes. Yeah, what did she teach? English, right? Or just third or fourth grade or whatever english gym science right it's all the same evolution no wait she didn't teach that last no right and she liked luke right yes yeah and he always would quote her uh he always quoted her um what is it and the creeks don't rise good lord willing and the creek don't rise yes You would say, just like Mrs. Andrews would say. <laughs> I got roots in Eastern Washington too. So, so. you know. <laughs> yes. Yes, we say that. Yeah. Luke had it coming, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure oh. everyone, because I mean, his gesture that he made was rude. So, yeah. so was. Well, um, not just rude, but it means fuck off. It does. Right? It does. <laughs> but I think, I think it's about on par with what Jennifer did when you consider the cow and the moo. I, th- I think that's yeah. a wash, but I think in general, we know these humans and we, and we know what they were probably like when they were that age, 15, 16 or whatever. Very outspoken yeah. and testing. They knew that this whole right. thing was bullshit. Right. Pushing that's and probing. <clears throat> but uh, I think we're all kind of glad in retrospect that, uh, that Luke got expelled because, you know, he, he he needs to answer for the shit he does. Let's face it. <laughs> well, if he would have just not gone back the next year, he wouldn't have gotten someone pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he would have been at a real high school. He would have been Nathan Hale and he wouldn't have got laid for shit. I right. guarantee you. <laughs> right. But didn't didn't that happen over the summer? No, at yeah. prom night. No. Oh, in the yeah, car. Yeah, he had to stew over oh, so the summer. So he found out during the summer. Maybe. He, yeah. Right. He had to sit through it all summer. But yeah, it, oh, God. it was prom what a night. That is so horrible. That, I can't Can even you imagine, imagine the how... first time you ever have sex? You don't even really know what it's like because oh. you've you've been raised this situation, right? And you're right. 15, you have sex in a car, and then the next thing oh. you know, worst case scenario. That's crazy. I feel for him on that. Yeah, I can't oh. imagine. But what I'm saying is we're glad that Luke got suspended, but I'm incredulous about uh, about Jennifer's suspension. I'm surprised that Jen got into USC having oh, this with, kind of base education. But it, it, Maybe her it testing been? was on point. Oh, yeah. She's super smart. I just. Yeah. Hmm. But what just, grade I mean, was hers? Did she, if she got suspended in eighth, she wouldn't have had to pay for her crime. Right, and I think that it closed down at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, because so just she's say, older. Just shrug. Your, the, there's no records available. It's like yeah. not really everything's not on the internet yet. You're just <laughs> like, hey, I went to some school, and then I went to a real school and did really well. Well, you know, yeah. Jeremy's sister 
never actually graduated from high school, but she has a bachelor's degree because oh, she Lord. was homeschooled. Oh. So you had to, like, she did all the classes, but you had to actually apply to get the diploma. And she just mm-hmm. didn't do it. She just got into college. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder mean, if it, that's kind of situation. Well, they only look at ninth through 12th grades. So yeah. what grade did this happen to Jen again? I know. Yeah. Um, I, that I'm not clear on. But yeah, my mom was a teacher and I knew to my great detriment nothing I did until ninth grade would matter. So <laughs> exactly trying to That's develop exactly study right. habits over the summer between your eighth and ninth grade. It's, <laughs> it's not, a, not an ideal situation. So. Right. <laughs> so you guys have anything else on uh, this clip? I just love, I mean, you know, whether it's Luke and Jen or Luke and Andrew or Luke and another guest, just people talking about their childhoods and, mm. and reflecting on it. I just love that. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's so funny. And then, you know, it adds something to it that they knew each other then and knew, knew some of the same people. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and it's interesting too, because there were certain things Luke would only really talk about um, in the Andrew era from that time, because I think maybe, um, maybe they still knew or Jen was afraid of running into some of the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like um, <laughs> the super dookie, <laughs> Even though that happened at the same school, Jen wouldn't really let him tell that story. And so he finally told it in the Andrew era. Right. And, um, and that's one of my favorite stories from that school, too. Please, somebody submit the Super Dookie. Yeah. Well, Super Dookie <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they kind of refused, especially when Jen was on, they wouldn't say the name. They said it probably right. in the first 10 episodes and then never said it again. They just called yeah. it Jesus Creek. Yes. And even though it was a it was closed by then. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that because then it, then it kind of turns into a thing like, Oh man, like if someone else was talking smack about that school, someone would say like, Hey, I heard someone talking about your old school on the radio. Oh, true. And then if those, if those Venn diagrams ever intersect, they could be talking about people who are then told, Hey, so-and-so was talking about you on the radio the other night. So I could see that why never they happens when Frank fail. Shires is hosting. <laughs> well, and that's similar to Luke's plumbing stories. He'll sometimes yeah. tell the name of it. Yes. But not often. Yep. No. Nope. Gene Johnson. That's Gene right. <laughs> yes. And it did make it funnier somehow when I knew the name. Just oh, it does. They, they've been such a presence. specifics you get make it funnier oh, every time. It does. And now whenever I drive by it, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm not hiring you to to canoe up under my restaurant and nap. Um, when when we did the tour to Terrible, we saw we walked by that restaurant and he told that story again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so great. <laughs> That's a good oh. gig if you can get it in the summer in Seattle. You know, nice yeah, shady spot. Yeah. Little yeah. wave motion. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Such a great nap. All right. Um I could do this all night. You got any more clips? Let's go. No. <laughs> It's, it's late. It's very late over here. Um, Christy, uh, do you have any uh, housekeeping for us? Um, everyone should archive. Okay. <laughs> the, it's awesome um, when you're part of a team. The, the <laughs> <laughs> A special gift went out to the tens of ten. Tens of mm. ten of tens. Mm-hmm. And they should be receiving those any day. So um, that is incentive to become one. I think you should 
whenever you're doing one of these, you know, reward programs, just send me whatever it is you're sending the rest of them, just so I can kind of just feel what it's like to be a winner. <laughs> you can feel what it's like to do work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can feel what it's like to be rewarded for doing work even that I didn't do. <clears throat> All right, so here's how to get involved. Uh, go to the website, littleredbandwagon.com. Uh, fill it out. Uh, what did I just tell people to, to submit? Super dookie. Super dookie. Um, <laughs> Facebook, go to the Stens or our page. Ours is much the better. Uh, there's a lot of Twitter addresses I'm not going to go into here except for uh, Phyllis's. Phyllis, what is yours? Phil Fletch, P-H-Y-L-F-L-E-T-C-H. Uh, I don't see you too active. What's going on there? No. I'm on Facebook all the time, man. Okay. She's like you. Yeah. Like... <laughs> right. Are you trying to say that I've retired from Twitter? Chris? No, I'm just saying that you guys are more Facebook. I do mm -hmm. neither, but well. And I should probably tweet more. I mean, this is another problem too, is I am, I share responsibility for our, um, you know, our, our news services, mm -hmm. Twitter handle. And so a lot of times if I'm on there, I'm doing stuff where that you would never, you know, necessarily think that it was any particular person we're just tweeting out links to our stories right um but um so twitter it just feels more like work to me so i'm very plus i i just feel like more exposed on twitter so right. i just you know i feel like oh this is more like supposed to be more professional which you know that's not that fun here's, so here's my I advice to you fellas. link link all your accounts so that whenever you tr do anything embarrassing on any social media platform <laughs> It goes out to the, all of the rest of them. <laughs> uh, would you like people to come to your Facebook page, though? Yeah, sure. That's where yeah, the action is. Fletcher. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, show Twitter is at LRB Podcast, and you can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemail is 802 802-432-8285. Just planning some ideas, folks. We would love to get a voicemail jingle, and we want to. We want not not any creepy German stuff. So. Um, Christy, uh, clearly I'm done. So, <laughs> thank you, Phyllis. Yes, oh, thank thanks you. for having me. I can't wait for April. Now. Yes. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to say, uh, Bernie Sanders just won Michigan, so that's awesome. Wow. Oh, how's Idaho doing? I, I, probably no results yet, eh? No or maybe early. I can see. Yeah. Okay. A lot of racism. But they have that really good candy. Idaho spuds. <laughs> oh, yeah, those. Those are my jam. Oh, okay. Straight from the freezer. Oh, okay. All right. Nice. <laughs> Until next time, this is the next party. Oh, we love you, Jen. Hey, guys. Bobby here. A couple of years ago, one of my best friends in the world, Ben, a pharmacist, got married to his now wife, also a pharmacist, and I hired Rapmaster Maurice to write a little something for them. We figured since Phyllis Fletcher was bringing us a Rapmaster Maurice clip for this week, I'd take a minute now and share this with you. So here you go. Enjoy. Yeah, Ben and Liz, this is Rapmaster Maurice. Word around town so you're getting ready to tie the knot. You got a couple of friends who are real happy for you, so I made a rap about it. 
Well, my name's Maurice, and I'm here to say word on the street is it's your wedding day. Your friends Sam and Bobby had me give you a rhyme, so your marriage will be excellent all of the time. Now marriage is tough, it might cause fatigue, and Ben should be glad he's marrying out of his league. And your pharmacist, so here's a prescription as well, make sure you have plenty of vitamin L. Congrats on your marriage, because you're the best. If being awesome were illegal, you'd be under arrest. Oh, yeah, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. Have a wonderful marriage. Peace. Nailed it.